0: Well, it's good to have you back with us for our next installment of 7. Hear what Christ is saying to you. And all through this, I hope you are understanding that Christ is always speaking to us. Uh, we don't live in a day and age where we don't hear from God. Uh, he marvelously has provided his word, and that word is him speaking to us. And anytime time you pick up the scriptures and it tugs at your heart, I'm going to say that that is God speaking to you. He also speaks to us through the circumstances of life and through friends and just a lot of things going on. But God is still speaking. And uh, the seven churches each get a letter. And they get a letter from uh, John. And John is inspired by Jesus. Jesus says, send these letters to these seven churches. And he goes and visits each church and is there in his presence and gets to see what's going on. And uh, he has some things to say. And last week or a couple weeks ago, we saw that uh, uh, some churches, he has good things to say and then slides in a little. You need to work on this. And then every once in a while, there's going to be two churches. We already covered one where uh, there's there. Jesus is just really impressed with the way they're functioning. And obviously, the takeaway question for that is we should be always asking ourselves, what would Jesus say to Seneca Community Church? What would he say to you and I personally uh, if you actually knew he was in the room? And the reality is he is in the room. Uh, You know, we have those verses where God doesn't leave us, and we go, yes, that's awesome. But then also we go, oh, God doesn't leave us. That's not too good either. So he's with us, so realizing that he's there with us. Uh, Just a little map. uh, These seven churches are in modern Turkey, if you're not familiar with the seven churches. And you can see the island of Patmos, that's where John, Jesus' uh, good, good friend, is there. And John now is in his early 90s. And he's probably the last disciple still living. All the other disciples were martyred, killed for their faith. And so that's where he is. He's imprisoned there because he won't take a knee to Caesar. And that's where you end up. And they say there he is at 90, breaking rocks every day. That's what was prison was about. And he had enough time. Uh, to also write this letter, the book of Revelation, and uh, and then passes this letter on to us. Uh, you can see just a little bit closer there. Now we're looking, I'm going to pronounce the name of this city differently every single time, so bear with me. It's Thyatira, and uh, we're looking at that, and currently there is no church in Thyatira. And uh, this, this picture is a little deceiving because some of the ruins are like, Blocked off in the middle of the existing Turkish city. And so there are buildings around and in places uh, because there is a city there. But uh, there is no church there. And one of the things we need to remind ourselves is that uh, no church is permanent. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we have to take that seriously. We're really only a generation or really only a few bad decisions away from having the light. Each candle represents one of these churches. Jesus talks about that. Having the light be extinguished and having there not be a church. We've also talked about as you drive around the Finger Lakes, it's very apparent there are lots of buildings that used to be churches, and now that light has gone out. And we we don't want to fall into that place. Uh, It doesn't mean we can't. uh, We just need to be really before God so that doesn't happen uh, the way we live. Now, when we think of This city, Thyatira, it really is uh, a manufacturing city. It's the smallest of the seven. Uh, It's not a place you'd go for your honeymoon. It's not that kind of place. It it reminds me a little bit of maybe Detroit. So you have the nice parts and you have the not-so-nice parts. And uh, it was a manufacturing, so everybody had kind of like a job and their whole life uh, revolved around whatever that was. we're going to see that the bronze makers the life revolved around that you went to church with all the other bronze myers uh, bronze uh, makers. Uh, you, temple, uh, pagan temple uh, you you kind of lived in the same section of town that those were your people and uh, that, that's where you were. and so you know as we think about them there are a, a church in this kind of place and it, just a side note, Uh, They're a small church, the smallest church, and we need to remind ourselves that God loves the small church. Uh, He loves uh, megachurches too, but the reality is most of the ministry, like in the United States, happens on the back of a small church of 100 people or less. And so we can kind of be caught up with the megachurch, and that's wonderful, and uh, sometimes smaller churches throw stones at the bigger church. Oh, they don't. No, that, that's, that's, that's out of limit too, out of line. But uh, the smaller churches, they're, they're across the country, about 360,000 churches in the United States and only a handful of these larger, larger churches. So uh, Jesus is addressing this church. He gives them the most uh, written to, written word and so that's also kind of interesting that he does that so that shows that this is significant to him it's important to him uh so uh you know as we start to unpack this we're going to see and we're going to look at this tolerant church and again as I already said there'll be elements of this that uh you know are pg-13 ish so when you when you look at this church and you again always looking at this church looking at eyes inward uh, they were a tolerant church, and really it was, uh, they had become um, just uh, complacent in a lot of areas, and uh, they compromised in a lot of areas, and because they compromised, uh, they really were tolerant. And uh, when you and I compromise, it can get us into trouble, like this Dave's guy. Dream car.
1: Of course, he prefers the pearl white to the cherry red, but you can't fit three kids and a dog who's prone to car sickness in a sports car. Dave's had to compromise a lot lately. Jim is more of a dog person. But his wife loves cats. All right, ready. One, two.
0: Go get it. Yes, Jim has had to compromise on a lot of things. But... So, you know, sometimes that's you and I. We have to compromise, and in our day in society, there is something about... There's something healthy about compromise. But there's also something very unhealthy about compromise, and so we need to be very careful. We need to really understand, and we're going to see that this church, Thyatira, they they weren't careful where they compromised, where they were tolerant, and they were too tolerant with their areas of compromise. And when you and I are that way, we saw you know riding the fence last or two weeks ago. Uh, but when you and I are uh, you know co- tolerant. Uh, again, in compromise, in the wrong area, we can get ourselves in problems, and it creates a monster like these guys are going to find out. I think I like this little guy.
1: I love this one.
0: You know, you could always compromise and breed them together.
1: You Know what I mean? I've never seen a breed like this. Nor have I. I don't know what to make of it, frankly. It's sounds like It's disturbing to look at it directly. How did this dog get past regions? That's what I want to know. I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Will you help these misunderstood animals?
0: I don't like the fact that it's looking this way. That's it. compromise can be a major problem are we too tolerant in the areas that we compromise you know a lot of us when we think about Jesus and we think about who he is we think about Jesus being this way children nice nice Jesus and we're going to see as we dive into this letter to this church that uh, it isn't nice Jesus with children on his lap doesn't mean that he's not nice doesn't mean he doesn't care for us But uh, we're going to see him being pretty firm. He's not Jesus y and sweet and tender and all of those kinds of things. He says it as he sees it. And he really uh, comes through, as we talked about, I think, week one about the lion of Judah. And uh, he is just uh, just firm with that. So let's uh, jump in and start unpacking and take a look at uh, what Jesus has to say to this church. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, The verses will be up on the screen. You're going to notice that I've taken three translations. Some translations have a better way of saying something, and I've added some of the phrases to explain it as we walk through, so it's uh, a little bit more understandable. Write the following to the message. A lot of your translations will say angel, but angel really is another word for messenger, so it's really thought that write the following to the pastors of these churches. Write the following to the messengers of the congregation in Thyatira. For these are the words of the Son of God. And it's really important that you see Son of God there. In these seven churches, this is the only time Jesus uses that phrase. Usually it's just Son of Man, showing that he's fully man. And in this instance, he's going to say, I am the Son of God, which is equally making him God himself. And so that's, that's very important. So for these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are blazing fire, And whose feet are like burnished brass. And again, this idea of blazing fire. These are are tough words. These are words when you pick them up, you go, ooh, that stings a little bit. They're hot. And so Jesus is being king. And someday he will come back and be king and Lord. And it's not going to be. He's still going to be nice. Yes, he's still loving God. But he's going to be very firm. And we need to understand that. That's a mischaracterization of him if we just think he's soft little Jesus. There's going to be a moment where you and I are judged. If we're not in Christ, if we have not said yes to Christ, we'll be judged a certain way. And if we are Christ followers, we're going to have to give it accounting for the way we lived our life and uh, the way we used what he gave us for his significance, for his glory. So we need to be aware of that. And whose feet are like burnished brass. And again, burnished brass, uh, that's the idea. This is one of the products that they make in this city. And uh, a lot of the tradesmen, tradespeople would be doing this. And when you come into the presence of a king and they're on a throne, you very rarely see his face. You are down on the floor and you might just see his feet. And so again, this is very symbolic. This is really showing this is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and we've talked about that expression in the past. And again, they were a—they uh, worked with bronze and they created all kinds of things. Sometimes they would uh, create some weapons. You can still find some of these weapons in museums, where you see the things that were created there. Also, you have to remember about the the city is that uh, each each group of workers had their their favorite god or their one god so they would they would go to that place and uh worship and uh, a part of that worship uh was tied to their trade uh and uh these these uh these times would get pretty crazy uh they would start off with a meal and then there would be a lot of drinking and then a lot of anything went and so that was a part of your, your life. If you were a tradesperson, you had to go to these. There'd be some worship. There'd be some burning incense, as we talked about before. Always uh, the, the emperor was the highest. The Caesar was the highest, so everyone worshipped him. But then you had your local god, and so they would do this. And so this was just a part of the deal. So if you were a part of the culture, if you had a job, some of you have been a job where you have to pay union dues, this was a part of this, but it was so much larger than than all of that. And then he goes on, Jesus says, I see everything you're doing for me, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you now are doing more than you did at first. You get better at it every day. And so we start to, start to hear about that. And we go, wow, that sounds like a great place to go. They're getting better at what they're doing. Uh, that's a place, if you were to Google, I'm moving into a new area, good churches, you'd find it. And you'd go, oh, that's a church I'd like to try out. That's a church I'd like to go to. Um, that's a church I would like to go to. That, that is a, a solid, solid church. And then we move on and we start to see the other side of things. But. I have this against you, you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing my loving servants. Now, the first you need to realize is that Jezebel isn't this person's real name. Uh, This is not a popular name. Even back then, you don't name your child Jezebel. I don't know how many, oh, there's little Jezebel. You know, usually that, you know, isn't the case. And if your name's Jezebel, my apologies, but... uh, uh, there's, there's this idea that goes along with this. All people. My name is Jezebel My name. My middle name. Anyway, you get the idea. But uh, uh, and is seducing my loving servants. She is teaching that it is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. So again, back to this this worship that's a part of their lifestyle. So there's this woman, this this person, this woman teaching these ideas that this is okay. Now, some of us might go, what, who, who even is Jezebel? And uh, if you Googled, you might come up with, with this picture, Jezebel, and that's Lady Gaga. But I want to tell you, Lady Gaga really isn't Jezebel, so don't think that. This is an interesting magazine. It's Atlanta Luxurious Living magazine, and this is obviously out of Atlanta, and it's kind of also interesting to me that this is, you know, in the Bible ba- Belt, so people down in that area have a better idea of who idea of who Jezebel is, and they actually have a magazine, and it's named Jezebel, and there's that's living on the edge, and uh, those of us will talk a little bit more about this, but uh, Jezebel is not a, a good person, so to to have a magazine like that, it's kind of pointing to a certain kind of lifestyle. And uh, there you have uh, who, who, if you Google, you might find that. goes on and says, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel again who, who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing my loving servants. She is teaching them that it is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality and to eat the food sacrificed to idols. And then we read on. I've given her time to repent of her immorality, but she's unwilling. It's interesting that God does give us time. God does give you time. As a Christ follower, God gives you time. Uh, As someone who hasn't decided, God gives you time. But there is this moment coming, whether it's in this chapter of life or the next chapter of life, we will have to give an accounting. Uh, Sometimes the older word is we'll have to give a a reckoning, which is again is an accounting word. We'll have to see how our life was lived. Not that we earn our way to God, but we are responsible for the way we live and what we do with our life. And that's not to make you feel guilty if you're going, wow, I've not done it. It's to give you hope that you can turn that around. With God's help, you can turn around. Uh, you know, th- There's no time limit, no age limit. You're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. You can still change the pattern and the direction of your life with God's help. And that is just so wonderful. He always welcomes someone back. You can look at some of the Older Testament Kings, you just see there are some guys that were a little older, and all of a sudden they make a change. So that can happen. It can go either way too. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely until they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. We'll talk about that a little bit. Then all the churches will know that I am He who searches hearts and minds. It's interesting. I am you, It doesn't start with your behavior. It's the heart. Searches hearts and mind. They know that appearances don't impress me, and I will give to each one what their work deserves. Who see how I said this is hot. This should be read today. Now I say to you the rest of you in Thyatira, who have nothing to do with this outrage, who don't adhere to the teachings of Jezebel. And have not been initiated into Satan's so-called deep secrets. Be assured, I'll not make life any harder for you than it already is. Cling tightly to the truth you have until I get there. To everyone who is victorious and continues to do my work to the very end, refusing to give up. You'll rule the nations. You'll shepherd them as firm as an iron staff their resistance fragile as clay pots. This was the gift my father gave me. I pass it along to you, and with it, the morning star, whoever has ears, let them listen carefully to what the Spirit says to the churches. Wow. Those are tough words. And those words rung true almost 2,000 years ago, and they ring true today. There's a lot in there for us who say we're Christ followers. If you're a guest this morning, if you're uh, uh, someone who hasn't decided to say yes to Christ yet, you, you get to kind of see how the other half is supposed to live, how we're supposed to function, how we as Christ fathers are supposed to, to live. You, you get to see that. Uh, If you're a guest this morning and just trying our church out, I want to say welcome to Seneca Community Church where you'll hear a feel-good, nice message. (laughs) This actually isn't one of those kinds of messages. But I hope that's okay. So you and I can find ourselves 2,000 years later living under some of the same kind of pressure. I'm going to say the people in Thyatira had pressure that, was significantly harder than our pressure, but if they decided to follow God, if they decided not to be involved in these meals that would turn into, uh, I'm just going to say drunken orgies and, uh, you know, whoever with whoever, uh, same sex, no sex, whatever, it was all available, and this was a regular part of the rhythm of their life, if you said no to that, you were ostracized. If you said no to that, you would lose your job. If you said no to that, then you wouldn't have any money, so you'd lose your home. You'd be destitute. So these Christ followers were living under unbelievable pressure to cave. And then this quote-unquote prophetess, this teacher who has, the, in a sense, the spirit of Jezebel, and we'll talk a little bit more about her in a few moments— uh, you know they 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 were they were they were in a really hard place. you know you and I might may be made fun of a little bit, but most of us might not lose our jobs and then lose our homes and then be out on the street this This is what was going on for the folks that live in this place. they just did not fit in they felt like an outsider now i 'm going to show you a little clip from friends and they're going to be be Uh, picking on smoking and uh, all of us have our different vices but I want you to see beyond that uh, you know we all have our areas that we need to grow in and this is going to sound terrible as a pastor but I would rather have a bunch of smoking swearing people than gossiping people any day see the difference so, so watch what you're picking on. Sometimes I have people come up to me. why don't you preach on this? I go, is that a problem for you? Well, no. I go, so why do you want me to preach on it? Well, so you, so you want me to talk about things that you don't have to adjust your life for, but somebody else will because it makes you kind of feel good because this isn't your deal. Or is it your deal? Oh, no, 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 because, you know, then they'll say it. And I'll go, well, are you having a problem with that? No, oh, you know, kind of thing. So, so, so don't get caught up with that. But I you get caught up with this is very light what the church and Thyatira were experiencing. But it kind of, I was amazed as I watched it and watched it a few times, you can just see the dovetail of the things that uh, they were facing and then you and I can also face when we decide not to go in a certain direction.
1: So it's down to these two. Nancy, I know you like this one, and I think I agree. Rachel, what do you think? Well, um, I mean, that one is pretty, but oh, I just, I just love this fabric. Sorry. Oh, don't be sorry. That's part of your job here to give your opinions. And then I take credit for them. I'm kidding. Uh, she is kidding. But don't ever disagree with her again. Okay, now I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, what a fun office. I don't know which one, but I do know I need a cigarette. So what do you say we take a break, we go outside, and we'll figure this thing out when we come back? Rachel? Yeah. You smoke? Oh, no. My dad's a doctor, and he would always tell me just horror stories. <laughs> I mean, what if this keeps happening, you know? They'll, they'll be outside smoking, making all the decisions. And I'll just be up in my office, breathing in my stupid clean air. You know? And then when the day comes when Kim wants to promote one of us, who do you think she's gonna pick? Me or Smokey Smokerson? <laughs> Rachel, you can go down there, and you don't have to smoke. Just say you want to get some fresh air. <laughs> Yeah, I could do that. If or don't work, you just do the easy thing and smoke. Hey, Hey. Rachel, what are you doing out here? Well, you know, it got kind of lonely up there, so I just thought I would come out here and get some fresh air. (coughs) Nancy and I were just talking about the fall collection. Oh, great. So anyway, we really... (coughs) Honey, I'm sorry. We're just smoking all over you. Oh, Oh, that's okay. No, no, no. We'll move. You stay right You know, I sent the designs over to around right wow. here. I'm very excited about the Oh, that's great. You are the best. Oh, oh excellent. Excuse me. Can I buy one of those? Yeah, you know actually, so <laughs> <laughs> OK, OK, OK. It was so funny over here. <laughs> I thought you didn't smoke. Oh, you know, I, I thought you guys meant marijuana cigarettes. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I mean? Like doobies? <laughs> So I thought to myself, wow, those guys are crazy. But no, I actually, I smoke the regular ones all, all the time. And we get high. <laughs> no, no, me too. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> me too. How did work go? Oh, it was great. It was great. I went down there just like you said, you know, and we talked business. And Kim totally took my opinions. You stink. I'm serious. Well, well, that's just because I went down there and they were all smoking. This is actually the smell of success.
0: <laughs> See how hard it is. Change your subject, change your thing, and you can find yourself in the same place. What do you do with all that? How do you navigate that? Thyatira, they had it was so much more intense than what we're talking about today. Doesn't mean someday it won't be that intense. But you got to figure out. Some of us uh, who have uh, kids in our lives that are teenagers don't get the pressure they're in to conform to doing other things. Would you say, oh, don't do that. And I don't mean, think that's the right thing to do, but you've got to realize the pressure they're in. How about you, mom or dad, if you're at a place of work and they're telling off-color jokes at the water cooler, if you will? Do you kind of just kind of stay on the edges? Do you say something? I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do per se right now. I think every situation is a little different. But, but, but you know those situations. Do you demonstrate that you're a Christ follower? And it changes. I, you know, this is going to sound, wow, situation ethics. Absolutely not. But it changes. If you lived in China or North Korea or Saudi Arabia, you would take a different tack that I'm sharing now. You've got to apply this. In China, you don't put a bumper sticker on your, your car that says, I'm a Christian. Uh, you will lose your job. You will be in trouble. You may go to a c- concentration kind of camp. You may end up in a place like that. So, um, you know, but you will earn these situations. And Jesus, is, Jesus isn't Jesus is soft-selling it. I mean, this is hard things. If they follow his directions, it will cost them, really cost them. Not as much as the church it. Uh, um, Smyrna, but uh, it will cost them. And so what do you and I do about that? How do we navigate through that? Yes, you did. You look happy and sick. You smoked.
1: (laughs) All right, fine, but I had to. I had to do it for my career.
0: Wish I had to smoke for my career.
1: (laughs) So, we're decided, no on plaid, yes on pink. Absolutely. I'm so on board. Mm. Rachel, didn't you just like that? Yeah, but, you know what, I'm just, I'm really, really trying to cut back, you know? <laughs> Good luck, Rach. <laughs> yes. I've actually been thinking about quitting lately. Oh, well, sure. Every Sunday night, I tell myself I'm quitting every Monday morning. It's like... <laughs> about it well what does it quit we'll just quit let's all quit it does sound appealing i never could do it oh but you could you can absolutely we can help each other out you know we could get one of those, those patches we could be like the patch sisters <laughs> uh, you know we really should quit okay let's quit yes great yeah. give me those things oh, come, come on, on. give it
0: No, it's funny, yeah, it would be that easy, but at the same time, what's interesting, you know, and they have no intent of projecting this, but there is a person making a difference in their workplace. I don't know what your thing is, but they're being salt, she's being salt and light in her workplace. Uh, everybody has different issues, everybody has different things, but it's interesting. So rather than pulling back, she's trying to influence. And again, I'm not telling you tomorrow morning when you go to work, you know, all of a sudden to start. Bible verses all the time and all that kind of thing but uh, uh you you can influence and uh they're they're definitely they're definitely doing that so Thyatira the, one of their their big thing was again following the practices of Jezebel and that involves intimacy and what is interesting is Jesus has a simple intimacy ethic it's very 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 simple it uh, doesn't have gray areas. It is, it is as clear as uh, whatever. Haven't you read in the scriptures, this is Jesus speaking, about creation, Jesus replied. The creator made us male and female from the very beginning. He goes on to say, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will live with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. From then on, they are no longer Two, but united as one. So what God unites, let no one divide. Very simple. Created man and woman. Intimacy only inside of that marriage. If you're not married, you're not intimate with anyone else. But someday your husband or your wife. It's as simple as that. Uh, Jesus doesn't add all these extra clauses in there. That's what it is. And uh, I get a little nervous saying that. Not nervous I don't believe it, but, you know, a little soundbite, five words, and now all of a sudden I'm a bigot, right? Because in today's world, the the greatest virtue out there is tolerance, right? If, if the greatest virtue in our world is that you tolerate other people's, uh, Behaviors. You actually accept other people's behaviors. You say, that is okay. See, what's interesting is often Christians are more tolerant than Christ. There's, there's no mystery to these words that Jesus has experienced. You know, some of us would say, well, you know, it was the culture back then on all these issues. Wait a minute, Jesus bucks the culture all the time. He didn't look at the culture and go, oh, I can't say that. Because if I say that, they're just not ready for this. No, he bucks the culture all the time. That's why they killed him. That's why he died on the cross. Because he said it the way he saw it as being fully God and fully man. You, you can't fall away from that. But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel and all the teaching that goes with that. Who calls herself a prophetess and is seducing my loving servants. She is teaching them that it is permissible to indulge in sexual immorality, not sexual preferences. He's very clear. He doesn't say, oh, you know, it's not like, you know, you know, ordering at, at a restaurant, I think I'll go with chicken. I think I'll go with beef or I'll go with, no, you probably wouldn't order ham, at least I would never, or whatever, you know. Uh, he, he's, 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 not, he's not simplifying that. He's calling it immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. A part of their pagan experience was to sacrifice this meat, and they would do that, and uh, then they would eat it. And, and uh, Jesus is saying, you're not to be a part of that. Uh, and you're seeing Christians being taught more tolerant. Jezebel had come alongside and said, Hey, Christians, don't worry about this. You can have it both ways. And Jesus is saying, You can't have it both ways. If you have both ways, the candlestick's going to go out. And it's not even that bad for you in the church if the candlestick goes out. That means your witness in that community goes out. And today in that modern-day city, it has a different name, it's in Turkey, there is no known Christ-following church. So the candle did go out. So all these hundreds of years later, there's no witness in that community. So that, that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. There's, there's probably 100,000 people that live in that city with no witness. And again, uh, you know, Jezebel is not uh, Lady Gaga. Be careful of what you post on Facebook or your favorite social media because sometimes when you post these crazy things or off the rail things, then people, and I've said this before, then they identify that as Christian and then when you talk to them about the good news of Jesus they say that other view is crazy so their view about Jesus being the only way and all of that must be crazy too so they dismiss it all so be very careful what you in a sense draw a line in the sand with because if you draw a line they are going to they're, they're going gonna, they're gonna to well all Christians believe this so then that must be off limits and I, i'm going to i probably going to get big trouble please don't email about this me but i'm going to say this but you know like i i and this is a friend not from around here and uh he he posted this he this is a passage in revelation that talks about the woman dressed in purple likens it to our vice president i don't think she's the person that they're addressing in Revelation chapter 17 but you got that out there then all your non-christian friends see that And then they also see your post about how much Jesus loves you and loves them and all this. And they go, that's crazy? This must be crazy. So I I would encourage you not to to do that. Also, with this whole training and teaching of Jezebel, obviously promiscuity was up. So that means there were a lot of unexpected pregnancies. But uh, that was okay because in this whole thinking, if you go back, if you even go back to the Jezebel, the queen, and Ahab of the northern kingdom, if you go back into your Older Testament, that's where this idea comes from. Uh, you see that when that happened and there was extra babies being born, they said, no worries, because your God, Baal, loves them. And they would sacrifice their children. Very similar to maybe, we would say, the inconvenience of an unexpected pregnancy because you're just not careful with someone you're not married to again the question then is are you a tolerant Christ follower about the things that uh, Jesus is not tolerant about is he more tolerant than us and uh, if you can say no my tolerance level is the same as his then okay great but if he can't, be, if he's more, to, he's less tolerant than you and I on things in our life, then maybe we need to take a second look. I'd love to. Well, I'm going to read through this. This I've, someone posted this. A couple people posted this on uh, this week. Um, secular person, person without Christ. I want to do X. Christian, you're free to you're free to do it. Secular person, but you think X is wrong. Yes, I think it's wrong. Secular person. Because you want to control me. No, you're free to do whatever you wish. Secular person, but you think X is wrong. Yes, but only because I want what is best for you. Secular person, but I want to do X. Christian, you're free to do it. Secular person, but I want you to say that X is good. Christian, I can't say that. Secular person, why are you such a hateful, intolerant bigot? And that conversation is going on and on and on. So when we think about tolerance so we think about what it means, the old meaning was this. I may disagree with you, but I'm going to treat you with respect. We may disagree, but I love you anyway. If you're a Christ follower and someone from your understanding is living off the rails, you're to treat them with respect and love, not write them off, not ignore them, not wish hateful things, not wish that they'll get what they deserve. Because thanks be to God, you and I as Christ followers are not getting what we deserve. Because we all deserve a Christless eternity. And that's code for separation from God and eternity in hell, not and hell is not a good place to go. It's not where the party is. Uh, you, again, take a look. Read your New Testament. Jesus speaks a lot about not <laughs> going to hell. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved from that. So this was the old meaning of it. And, uh, you know, this is the newer meaning. I unconditionally approve of everything you do because I'm a loving person. And you see the difference. The fine dance is how do you accept somebody without approving of what they're doing. Very, very, very fine dance. But as Christians, you're called to be in that dance. You don't get a pass from it. You've got to figure it out how you accept someone without approving What they do, acceptance or approval. In Genesis, we read that God created humans in his own interest. That was actually a theme, or his own image. That was a theme of uh, this week's uh, VBS. He created them to be like himself. He created them male and female. Like himself, and the idea that we can interact. We have this relationship with each other, this relationship with God. Animals, anything else in creation doesn't have that. That's what we have. And so we have this um, acceptance or approval. And because we need to accept everybody because they're made in the image of God, no matter what they've done to themselves, no matter what they're doing, they still have that ability to relate with God. And as as long as there is time left for them to say yes to Christ, You and I, as Christ followers, imperfect as we may be, our role, our place is to show them that they are unconditionally loved and that we don't approve of their behavior, but because they're so loved, we can walk with them even though we don't approve of their behavior. I mean, I've had friends that have been gay. I've had a pastor friend that was gay, and we would go out to lunch every once in a while. God accepted him. From my perspective, didn't approve of that behavior, and we had conversations about that. It was not a secret, don't go in that room. It's not that we talked about it all the time, but we did talk about that. And so somewhere I'm hoping that he felt Dave accepts me. He doesn't approve of my behavior, but he does accept me and care for me. And if I was in need, he would actually come to my aid. And that was absolutely, is absolutely true. Had not written him off. So the big question is as we're dealing with this. And we're going to move along very quickly now. And all the blanks will be filled in online. So if we miss one, don't worry about it. Uh, But this idea of having compassion for someone without compromise. Compassion with someone without compromise. So how you accept someone being made in the image of God, don't approve of what they're doing. And there's lots of things. There's there's Christian friends that I don't necessarily, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I don't approve of what they're doing. So how you have compassion without compromise, and we see Jesus doing that all the time. Take a look at the famous one, the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't condemn her. He has compassion on her. He protects her. He says things that back the crowd down, that self-righteous group of people that I hope that I wouldn't be a part of if that was unplay, unfolding in today's world, doesn't do that. And he says, that, and I certainly don't condemn you either. Go from now on and be free from a life of sin. So so he's, he's calling her out on it, but he's not being in a self-righteous, put-down way, even though he had the right to do that. We've got to realize that the world is hostile to the idea of holiness. And even in our Christian circles, you may find there's some folks that are hostile to your desire to be holy. And holy is not self-righteous. It's to be separated apart for God's ways. God is holy because he's separated unto his own ways. And we try to live a life separated unto his ways when we've placed our trust in him. Again, it doesn't earn our way for him to love us. He loves us unconditionally. So we just have to understand that the world is going to be hostile to it. It shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you if you... Take a not-in-your-face stand, but take a stand for something that you're going to get heat from it at work or wherever you live. It's just the way it's going to be. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, as Christ followers, are a little hostile to this idea of holiness. I mean, look at this verse. Your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. However, I say to you, if you look with lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, and I'd also say a man that is not your husband, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Yikes, that verse is a little inconvenient. That means no matter who you are, if you're a Christ follower, if you have even some moments of eyes, if you're tempted, but deal with the temptation immediately, but if your eyes linger, look what Jesus says. That's too much. That's too crazy. Again, are we more tolerant than Jesus? I mean, we don't want to change the word of God. Let's not change the word of God. Let's let the word of God change us. And uh, I have Hebrews that talks about honoring the marriage bed. I've got it written down there in your notes. Another passage that's not listed there, if you weren't taking notes, you can get back to it, is 2 Peter 2, 6 through 9, out of the message. Uh, take a look at that. So, you know, we deal with this issue uh, of conviction or compromise. What are we going to do? Jesus is telling that church in Thyatira not to compromise. And if they do compromise, they are in trouble. They're to have Convictions. Last week we went in a little more in depth on the idea of repentance. I think this is in your notes. I love Second Corinthians seven ten through eleven. Distress, guilt, whatever you want to call it, that comes from God. It's conviction. Uh, it should turn us around. It should get us back in the way of salvation, back living the way the Lord would have us to live. We never regret that kind of pain. Do you regret that kind of pain? Sometimes I do, but hopefully most of the time I don't. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets. And you'll come out of this with a purity of heart. So, so the idea is that, again, when you feel conviction, do you let it push you away or do you let it draw you close? And when you let it draw you close to you, it is a celebration. Wow, aren't I happy that I felt convicted about that because now I'm leaning more into God, I'm repenting of that, I'm changing my mind to whatever that item is, and I'm going to follow him and follow him fully. Conviction for the compromised. I could have Jezebel or I could have Jesus, but I can't have both. That's basically what... John is writing this letter from Jesus to the people there. You can go with Jezebel's way or you can go with Jesus' way, but you can't have both. And like we saw last week, we like to ride the fence. We like to keep one foot in one world, one foot in the other world, but it doesn't work that way. And when I give you this message, it's not that I'm trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to alienate you that's like the last thing i want to do i don't want to be known as someone who is not as a hater and all these kinds of things but really this message is a message of hope for the hurting this idea of experiencing the truth and the truth will set you free some of us are hurting because we're trying to live this duality in our life and it's just not working works for a little while then it doesn't work we go back and forth back and forth this truth is to be hope for the hurting you don't have to hurt in that area anymore you can get beyond that because you know the truth sometimes hurts but it never harms and it always heals when it comes from the mouth of jesus to us so difficult sermon i didn't plan enough time for this but my encouragement to you is to think about how you are living your life how i'm living my life where are the places that i am tolerant of and what do i need to change how do i need to respond maybe you've never said yes to Christ. And uh, there's uh, some pamphlets out there that call Knowing God Personally. These are also online. You can scroll through the pages online if you're watching online. And there's also a booklet called How Good is Good Enough. Uh, I'd encourage you to pick one of those up, pick both up, and just think about your relationship with God through Christ. Also, I would be available. There's lots of folks in this church that would be available. Take advantage of that. And then for the rest of us to say, am I more being more tolerant than Christ in the way I live my life? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your compassion. Uh, we thank you for your patience. <laughs> You're just so patient, and we're so thankful for that. Lord, help us to not take advantage of your patience. Lord, help us to turn around, help us to repent, help us to see that you give us hope for the hurting and that you give us uh, conviction rather than compromise. Pray for my friends here today, those watching online. Ask that you would help us to lean into conviction and move in your direction rather than pull away. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.